Hello and welcome to the Muni Oral History Project, where we explore the stories and rich history of the Springfield Municipal Opera over the past 60 years. Stories from the people who have built, experienced, and performed what we'd like to refer to as Muni Magic. Sit back and relax and listen to these tales of Broadway under the stars. So here we are today with Cinder Reitzman. Hi, Cinder. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So um, what was your first Muni experience? Well, the first show I was in was Sweet Charity in 1978 with an amazing staff and cast. Um, Grace Nonabody was directing. Gary Shaw was the choreographer. George Dirksen was the lead, and it was an amazing experience. I was in the chorus. So had you seen a Muni show before you'd been in one? No, I uh, grew up in Verdon and um, I had not been to a show until a boyfriend of mine took me to see one. And then I found out that the reason we were there was that his old girlfriend was in the show. So <laughs> I'd only really seen one show out there. And I really, it wasn't on my radar, really wasn't. Okay, had you done theater before that or was that kind of your first just out of the gate that or I was just, that I, I had done a couple of high school shows really just the okay. small yeah. high school stuff okay so what was your first audition like of course this was back in the cattle call days yes well there's a pretty long story about that actually um rich mccoy was a college friend of my husband's friend mm. and we were social friends uh, I was not involved in any theater. And he came to me and he said, I want you to come and I want you to sing in front of about 100 people. You can sing anything you want to, but they're doing Brigadoon and no one can do a Scottish accent. And I want you to get up there, do your Scottish accent and sing. It's simple, easy peasy. Okay. That was what he explained to me. And I walk in to the cattle call. And <laughs> it was like, okay. And not being an, uh, a veteran, I didn't know how things went, but it was the third audition day, which means everybody kind of waited until the last day to audition. So there were tons of people there. I sat and waited for four hours and um Everybody was singing things from the shows. I got up and sang, Someday he'll come along, the man I love, and he'll be big and strong. Grace not everybody said, thank you. And I went, okay. <laughs> and so I went to Dick McCoy and I said, you owe me cocktails. And so we went and had cocktails and went home, went to sleep, exhausted, emotionally exhausted. They didn't read me. I, I sang three bars. I don't know. And I didn't know that then uh, the final audition day was the day they called people and people stayed up till one, two, three o'clock, especially for the chorus. You get the leads called first and then down the line and the chorus gets called last. So I'm asleep, asleep, sound asleep. Phone rings, I think it's like 12.30, one o'clock in the morning, I answer it and they go, hi, do you wanna be in the, well, and actually I wanted to be in Sweet Charity. I did not audition for Brigadoon. I, I changed to want to be in Sweet Charity. And they said, hi, do you wanna be in the chorus of Sweet Charity? I go, ah. Oh, 
yeah, sure. And I hung up and I woke up in the morning and I thought I dreamed that. <laughs> I, I, I thought, did someone call us? Think? That is so crazy. And if they had not sent me things for rehearsal schedules, I wouldn't have showed up. I, I didn't know that I didn't know that they were gonna call me. I didn't know how they did it or whatever. So that's the first show I was ever in. And um dancing Fosse <laughs> with Gary Schultz choreography. And it was it was great. I do have to say this. If I had people that audition during those cattle calls especially and don't get a call and they go back the next year, they have they are amazing to me because honestly, if I had not gotten in the chorus, I don't think I would have done that again. <laughs> it was crazy. So um, what are some of your favorite memories or roles? I know you've done a number of roles. What was your first leading role? I should start with that. Um, well, in 1978, I did Sweet Charity. Then I was in the chorus in 79 of Carousel. And my first speaking role was Dainty June in Gypsy in 1980. I got lines and went down into the splits twirling batons. <laughs> and, but my first lead anywhere in town actually was Muni. And it was Camelot. Uh, Guinevere, which was just um, amazing. I had Doug Smith and Doug Hahn and directed by Lee Steiner. And it was just uh, a magical moment for me. Love that role. So, um, of course, I've heard the story from Doug about you and the dog. Oh, that story. Yeah, a 200 pound Mastiff. <laughs> that's supposed to be laying there. And the audience is completely watching the dog, of course, this thing. And something in the wings must have caught his attention. His name was um, Cedric, Cedric, I think. And he stood up. And when he stood up, his, his head was like, even with my shoulder. And I put my hand on his collar and I thought, you know, if this dog wants to walk off stage, this dog's going to walk off stage and there's nothing. It's the size of a pony. It's going if it wants to go. So, and he just stood there for a while and I had his collar and then he laid back down and you could just, the audience wasn't paying any attention to what we were doing. even watching this ginormous dog. <laughs> it was like, we had two dogs and a horse and yeah, it was crazy. It was fun. Yeah, so what are some of your other favorite memories or roles? Well, lots of wonderful roles all over town, but if we're really focusing on the Muni yeah. roles, I think my very first lead was at Muni, and you, you don't ever top that experience. Guinevere was just everything for me, and um, I think the other ones out there, I loved playing Dolly Levi. I loved being in My Fair Lady. Desiree and the night music was great just because of the amazing difficulty of the music and the cast. Um, and it was really, really fun being in the first Into the Woods and in City of Angels, which had never been done before and has not been done since. So it's always really exciting to be in something that no one's seen before. So I was the first Baker's Wife and City of Angels. Those are they're all favorites, but these are some, kind of the top of the list, I guess. So what are some of your favorite memories from those shows? Oh, gosh, there's so many favorite memories. Jeez. It's just the, it's just the camaraderie of it, you know. It's just um, the degree of uh, commitment um, 
it's just, <laughs> I have to think about that for a moment. There's just so many, just a lot of we, we can come back. Um, so, um, we often say in theater, the show must go on and, um, things happen, sets fall down or roll over or wardrobe malfunctions. I mean, flubbed lines. Is there anything that like you probably were like embarrassed and horrified at the time, but now years later you laugh about it? You know, I've, I've been pretty lucky <laughs> not to have too many things. You know, there's things like having to kiss your leading man who has the flu and has been throwing up over the railing all night, things like that. Swallowing bugs. I know I was making a quick entrance into um, Camelot and a nail caught the hem of my dress and just looped me like a cattle. And just, I went down on my knees, jumped up and I'm sitting on the set feeling my knees bleeding during what do the simple folk do? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh no, I'm ruining my costume, you know. Um, just, um, just, things have gone pretty smoothly for me. I think the hardest thing are the bugs. <laughs> you know, when someone reaches out and strokes your hair when they're not supposed to, and you realize that they just picked up something really big off of your head, it's like, and it's, <laughs> It's really hard to wear wigs out there because then you don't feel the bugs crawling yeah. on your head. So, but I've been pretty lucky as far as catastrophes. Okay. So, what's your favorite role? Do you think that you've done? Like of all the about out at Muni. I think I think that all of them have been very special to me, but nothing tops your first leading role, and yeah. nothing tops that. I mean, everything else was. Yeah, like I said, Guinevere, Dolly, My Fair Lady, yeah, into the, being into the woods and Steve Angels and yeah, just, 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 they're all different, but the, yeah. you can't, you can't top the, there's nothing like the first time. <laughs> so. so who are some of the special, most special people you've worked with out at Beauty? Well, you know, I came in when you, we were discussing earlier about some of the people we've lost. And it's funny because there's a consensus we kind of, kind of call them the old guard. And they were the people that came in with only the agenda of loving theater and wanting to bring theater to Springfield. It wasn't anything about being on stage. They were behind the stage. It was, you know, Jane and Maggie and Alice and Tom and Burnell and Virginia and just they were there for the love of theater and they were all very very kind and, and Jean of course and Jean was I he was kind of serious around me which was interesting that he all of those people were so supporting when I came onto the scene as a new person and complimentary and lifted me up and um, I think the very special people too are you know I don't have a degree in theater I don't read music i learn phonetically but i feel like i have a master's in theater because of the amazing talented people i worked with i mean the best choreographers the best directors the music directors the orchestra directors the set designers costumers people that make you look fabulous and i just feel like the body of knowledge that I have because of everyone that I've worked with is just amazing. I think I have a, a huge theater degree without ever going to college for one. 
so um, that kind of semi segues in my next question. Like we always talk about Muni magic mm -hmm. and um, I mean, it means it can mean literally Muni magic with Peter Pan flying out. Yeah. Um, at the first time of the show. Um, what does Muni magic mean to you? Well, I tell you when Carolyn Fleischley landed on the, the mantelpiece the first time they did Peter Pan, I cried, you know, so um, as an audience member, moments like that, there's so many. And then being on stage too, um, there's just no other setting like it, you know, when the moon is out and, um, but I think, you know, I, I knew you were going to ask me this question and I was trying to think about it and it, leads me to a story when I was in a little night music, my leading man had been a professional actor and I don't think he'd ever done community theater before. And he said, this is amazing. I go, what? He goes, well, you're the leading lady and you're in the wings helping someone with the quick change. And I said, well, I'm over here. It's, I'm waiting to go on. Why wouldn't I help with the quick change? And he was amazed by everyone pitching in, the, the cast helping to move a set, the people, you know, for no money, and especially the backstage people, for not much recognition by the audience. He goes, they're just, you're all just here doing your best and to make this happen, to make this show happen. And selflessly, you know, for the good of the production. And he, he just never really seen anything like that because as he said in professional theater, you know, the left stage curtain guy does the left stage curtain and nothing else. And he was just blown away by the commitment and um, the dedication and the passion for theater that he was witnessing. He'd never seen anything like it before. So I, that sums up the magic to me. I mean, it takes a village. I mean there's so many people that work including the board and everybody behind that it's just to just the magic of the, the, the whole coming together for to make a beautiful magical night on the stage yeah so we also talk about muni family and to some people that is literally like it is a family affair where you have entire families if they're not on stage they're backstage doing hair makeup costume changes working set crew right um or you even have spouses and family members that are up front of front of top of the hill ushering every single night yeah. um or it can mean just the family where you make lifelong friends what does meaty mm -hmm. family mean to you well it you know i do have friends that i've made exclusively through theater and I think this was something I had talked to Brett about once before is that being a theater person and um, when I was growing up in a small town, I always really felt that I didn't belong in any group, you know, and I had a great childhood and good high school, you know, I was involved in a lot of things, but I just didn't feel like I had met my people. And then I tried out for theater and I found my people. And I realized that I am not 
as odd as I thought I was or strange or just the way I looked at the world or how I perceived things or how I felt things. I felt different until 1978 and I, I found my tribe and I, I don't know what my life would have been like if I hadn't found them the the cast and the crew and lifelong friends of course but just like-minded people the people of theater and the arts and music so i it is i i really can't even understand how i could be who i am if it hasn't been for the last years of being able to express myself on stage with all these fabulous people and all those wonderful people in the dark <laughs> <laughs> so um so recently we lost um, Jean Rubley, who uh-huh. was a trustee and the new newest building out there, the Lundgren Rubley building is named for him. Do you have any, I mean, he was always known for quick wit and he would also often give you his opinion, whether or not you wanted it or not. Yes. Do you have any special uncle, well, Uncle Gene is what everybody called him, Uncle Gene. Yes. Well, you know what? It's funny because I, I've seen Gene in action for years and years and years. And I always felt like he was really, just when it was he and I, he was always very complimentary to me. And sometimes with a zing, like, well, you knew you were good. You know, you, you knew you were good. I don't have to tell you. Things like that. You know, he would never just say, you were really good. You know, he would have to put a little zing on the end of it. But he was always very complimentary and supportive and uh, just funny, just funny. Just no one like him. So um, you said you were in City of Angels, and of course that was, he was in that. Do you have any memories of him in that iron lung? Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's hysterical. Oh, my God. Yeah, every night, you never, that whole, that whole, um, there was a lot of strange things going on on stage during that. It was, uh, every night you just didn't quite know what Uncle Gene was going to be doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, everybody says that he just had a penchant for paying corpses or people that were dying. (laughs) I told him, I said he was made for the role. It was perfect. It was typecasting. It was great. (laughs) So was that like, was that just a bit part or did he actually have like a bigger role? No, it was just, he he was just in the line. Was he on the stretcher too? He might have been the corpse. Yeah, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So funny. Oh my gosh. So, um, like you said, um, Grace Nanavati directed your first show, but Lee gave you your first leading role. What's it like working with Lee? Oh, great. I mean, you know, I, again, talk about um, excellent training, you know, (laughs) uh, with theater teachers. And, you know, she was uh, probably, probably taught me to do most of what I still do is to um, think off the page, you know, it's method acting or whatever you want, but you know, you have to, you have to think about where were you and what you were doing before you walked in the door, you know, you have to have to give the character more life. I mean, you know, Guinevere of course is pretty fleshed out, but it's just um, thinking about who you are before you walk in in the door on the stage and and doing a background and 
maybe even doing what happens after the show, you know, having that all in your head to flesh out the character, to know who she really is, which drives me crazy sometimes. I, you know, lay in bed after rehearsal, like, why am I saying that? Why would she say that? Why is she saying that? She can't, what does that mean? So even after a performance is over, I'm still analyzing. It's like, what, what, what is she thinking? <laughs> and so you said you'd play Dolly, which of course is one of the most, if not one of the most iconic roles, female roles in the history of musical theater. What was it like playing Dolly? Oh, she's, well, you know, she's hard though. You know, that that's hard. You, you know, she can, she can come off too strong. You want, you want to like her, you know, even in, whenever you do anybody, especially someone who's not likable, <laughs> you just have to make them human enough that the audience can, uh, of course, everybody loves Dolly, but she can come across as too brash. You have to, balance it with the softer scenes and uh, her dialogue is crazy and she's yeah it was great i would i would i would do that again i would do dolly yeah. who was your horace barry weiss was my horace <laughs> and we, we had a great time on stage we really really did mm -hmm. he's so charming um okay so what was the last role you did on the muni stage uh, it's been a little while. I have auditioned, but the last few auditions didn't go well for me. But the last part I did was Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast, which was a total delight. Total delight. Okay, and that was the second time we did it, which was 2012. I have the program, or a okay. program with, yeah. So what was it like playing Mrs. Potts? She's darling, and you know what, when she gets to sing, you know, that iconic song you know sometimes it's just like i just want to sing that song so mm. it was a lot of fun and the, you know we meet and greet after with the kids and it, it was just, just they just that's a muni magic moment for me when they come up to you and they actually believe you are who you are and of course bell and uh the beast were out talking and all the children around bell and this one little girl just one little girl came up to me and she put her arms around my legs and looked up to me and said everybody likes bell the best but not me mrs potts i like you the best and i went oh god thank you it's just that just just got me so much it was so sweet so sweet yeah. was that your only kid well true kid show that you did um no, it, well, I, I did an Annie, but that was at Theater Center. But I, you know, I don't really think Annie's a kid's show, but I was an Annie. That, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that is. Yeah, because those, those always are the special shows with they all the, little, the kids dressed up and. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and they didn't fall asleep. They were all awake at the end, which is great. <laughs> so, um, so like who would you say are some of the most important people you've worked with throughout your experience at muni like who have taught you the most um mm -hmm. well you know i've done a lot with lee yeah Stein. amazing and amazing great yes and grace um the very first show with grace i mean she just taught i think that first show set the tone as far as discipline and what's expected which is the best that you can do. And um, I've assistant directed with Doug a couple of times, which is great. I have a degree in dance, not that I'm that good of a dancer because of Gary Shaw. 
And, you know, um, Scott Richardson's shows were great and Craig Williams. And it, it's just, um, I'm trying to think of all the shows I've done. It's crazy. Don Bailey did a great job at Brigadoon. I worked um, on Godspell with Georgia when she was directing. And uh, it's just, I had, I had the luxury of, I think, of working the best with the best of town. I, I, I'm sorry if I've forgotten people, but in uh, Jane directed Kismet. I'm looking at my sucker now. Jane directed Kismet and um, Doug did My Fair Lady and Anything Goes. Yeah, just, I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Who was in My Fair Lady, of course, that's another iconic um, female role, of course, originated by Julie Andrews, just like Guinevere was. Who was your, um, oh gosh, Henry Higgins and My Fair Lady? Dennis Rendleman was. Uh -huh. And David Britton, who was a board member, a past board member. And Steve oh, Jones. Dave Steve, Britton. <laughs> Steve Jones was Freddie. And Aaron Biggerstaff was um, Mrs. Higgins, which was oh, amazing. She was amazing. That was a great cast, too. Great cast of people. Yeah. My father actually was ill and died during rehearsals. So um, I probably wasn't completely 100% on my game, but I, I had the support of everybody and got through it. It was good. Yeah. So um, tell me about Into the Woods. Of course, that, that was the first time it was done in town. The show really wasn't that old, so nobody really knew it. Like, tell me about that experience. Well, what's interesting that it's Doug's favorite because he didn't like it. <laughs> he, he, he did not like it. He, he said, I don't like Sondheim. He didn't like this. And and um, I think a lot of people were telling him he really had to audition for The Prince and The Wolf. That was one that was the same role. Yeah. And he kind of got talked into auditioning for it, and he really didn't like the piece. And then he fell in love with the piece, as we well know. So... Uh, it was it was great. It was something completely different. And, you know, the, the vignettes going across the stage, one, two, three, the song is here, the song is there. And um, I had so many people come up and say, I have to come back and see this again. I can't, you know, people would come more than once because they just couldn't get the whole story just seeing it once. So, yeah, that was great. Love the Baker. We had a great cast for that. It was so fun. And again, it's just really exciting to do something new. Um, as, as an actor, but also to bring something new to people that I haven't seen. And it's such a beautiful, Baker's wife is such a lovely woman. I love, love her. I mean, that's the special, I mean, you don't get that so much today with the newer shows is, is like back then. I mean, of course they had the, well, the LPs or cassette tapes later on, but you didn't have like looking up YouTube clips or whatnot. And it's like, so like to a lot of your audience members, these shows were like, they had no clue what was going, I mean, they had never seen anything. And so you were like creating magic for them right in front of their eyes. I know. And that is, you know, that's got an amazing message. It's, you know, it's got an amazing message. No one is alone. <laughs> so, yeah. but I did the Baker's wife twice and the witch once. So I, 
I obviously like this show, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, and, and what's interesting, it's like I've done it three times and you just, there's more to discover in it every time. It's, it's just very complex, a lot going on and the dynamics change with each cast. You know, it, it's a different show. There, there's no lead, it's an ensemble and it, it just changes with the strengths of, strength of the different characters that you've got cast. So it's always interesting. So um, before we go, do you have any like advice to like anybody who wants to become involved with community? I know you kind of just auditioned because McCoy came to you. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, anybody, do you have any advice? Because I know like, well, of course, when you auditioned, it was the cattle call. And I mean, it was you just showed up in the morning and you could have waited all day depending on when you but now I mean you have assigned times so it's yeah. not as some people some people say they miss the cattle call days you know uh, there is something uh -huh. to that because yeah. um you have an audience you know yeah. when you, when the, when there's private auditions I don't find them any easier quite frankly I think you're auditioning for the staffs and not that they're being judgy, but they are, they're judging you. They're, you know, you're auditioning for the staff. And when you had a hundred people sitting behind the staff, mm -hmm. your friends, I mean, you, it, there was, it was like more of a performance for some reason, the energies was different. I mean, it was still nerve wracking, but I found it easier to play to an audience instead of just four staffs that are, are judging you or, or deciding whether you're going to get a part. So, um, do you have any advice to um, anybody that wants to get involved with Muni? Well, you know, I think, and, and I, I, touching back to what I said before, was that I did not know my people existed. And um, Doug and I did some high school theater for about five years, five or six years in Verdun in Southeast. And there is a group of people that, this is where they belong. This is where they fit in. They may not know it. I mean, I'm seeing, we used to see students um, that didn't find their niche until they got in the school play. And I wasn't an outsider. And yet I always felt different somehow until I found my tribe, which is the theater people. And so I think the arts offers a fulfillment to people that they need. Uh, whatever venue that is backstage or on stage um, and you may not know you need it <laughs> until you get involved and it fills that part of you that you didn't know was empty so um, just do it and you know and and just being part of the whole to me I've been backstage I've done I've done everything I've done hair I've done makeup I've done costumes believe it or not because I don't sew and um, stage manager help run lights I've, you know I've done everything assistant direct I haven't I've photographed I have not done music because I don't read music but except for directing I've done every job there is to do and the, no matter how small the job or how big your leading role is you're part of getting that production you're part of that standing ovation you're part of that applause and it's very fulfilling no matter how big or how small your part is because it takes all of you, as you know, I mean, it takes everyone, the person in the back 
washing dirty shirts and ironing. I mean, it is a village. And as my friend who was a professional actor said, he goes, this is amazing. You're, it's just one big group of people with one thing to do, get this show on the boards. And so come out, do it, you know, get involved in whatever way, because there's, there's nothing else as fulfilling as being part of an amazing production. Well, thanks so much for um, spending some time with me, Cinda. I am honored that you wanted to talk to me. <laughs> well, thanks so much, and you have a great rest of your night. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Muni Oral History Project. This is an ongoing effort to capture the memories and stories of the Springfield Municipal Opera. If you have pictures, videos, or stories you'd like to contribute to this effort, please email history at themuni.org. Your hosts have been Jacob Potty and Craig McFarland. Production assistance by Vanessa Ferguson and Jeremy Geckner. Special thank you to the Muni Board of Managers and the Muni Board of Trustees for their support in this effort. And thank you to all the Muni family who continue to help us create magic every summer.